can say April 11th, and um, what we're going to talk about tonight is the call in the darkness, and uh, we'll get that to that a little later, but I want to lay a foundation first. Um, so the series that Eric's been preaching, Pastor Eric's been preaching, is um, spiritual violence, and what a beautiful thing to be able to send one of our best out uh, on the battlefield for him to come back to give reports, reports of what's happening all around us as we sit in our own city and deal with our own internal problems, um, uh, what's really happening is God is equipping us to deal with external problems. And um, what a beautiful thing for him to be able to go out amongst the nations, come back and give the same report all around the world that Jesus is being glorified. Um, so what happens here at LCMF, um, when we send one out, is our red flags go up and we go on high alert. And the leadership presses in even more. Presses in even more as far as prayer, uh, fasting, and really seeking the Lord. Knowing that one of ours is out, outside of our fold, and in, and therefore in more danger uh, than he would be here, possibly. And so I want to uh, start with a charge tonight. A charge from the Word. I want, uh, want you all to remember that uh, Eric's only been gone for a day. And therefore you have a call as well. And remember that it's the watchman on the wall. And it's to pray and intercede on his behalf and to believe that when you pray, that God hears your prayers and he dispatches the angels on your behalf. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Can you all hear me in the mic okay? There. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation, this salvation which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place somewhere, someone has testified, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under his feet, under him, God left nothing that is not subjected to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who made, uh, are made holy of, some are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation I will sing your praises. And again, I put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am. And the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. So that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power over death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Fear of death. We think of fear of death being a fear of ultimate death, but really fear in every one of our circumstances, our death in every one of our circumstances is present. It's present in um, uh, failure. Um, just death to a, an idea um, or the ending of a, uh, something you put your hand to. And yet God calls you not to be fearful of this, but the authority that God has been given has been given also to you. 
to carry and to carry properly. Mm. Turn with me to 1 Samuel, and I'll, let, I'll share with you what God's been putting on my heart lately. In the one family meeting that we had not too long ago, we spoke of some of this, and God wouldn't let me really get away from it. So I'll reiterate a little bit, but it's the living word. And so uh, I'm blessed uh, that I can go over some of the same things that God spoke to me, and I see all new things in it. What a beautiful thing. 1 Samuel chapter 1, I'm reading a little bit to you at first to set a, uh, set a foundation so you can understand that it's, these words are not coming from me, but of the, from straight from the word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. There was a certain man from, I'm going to say, Ram, Ramahathim? Yeah, that's it. Woo. A Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkaniah, son of Joham, the son of uh, Elihu, the son of Tohu, and the son of Zoph, an Ephraim. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other, Penaniah. Penaniah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from this town and worshipped and sacrificed to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hypha and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkaniah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat uh, to his wife, uh, Penaniah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not even eat. Elkaniah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why do you not eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more than ten sons to you? <laughs> this is beautiful to me as a husband because uh, Elkanah looks at Hannah and he says, You're weeping and you're barren, you have no children, and aren't I worth more than ten sons to you? And, uh, and we got to realize, if there's any husbands in here, some, uh, sometimes and most of the time, there are things in, in our wife's lives that we just will not feel. God put it there for a reason. There's voids there for a reason, and only Jesus can fill. And uh, I point that out because, um, especially in early marriages, uh, especially for me, where I've messed up is trying to be Jesus in their life. And I'm not talking about in the good way, being a character to them. If Jesus is the, uh, we would say he's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Um, at times, I've definitely tried to be my wife's father. And at times, I've definitely tried to be her son. And God knows I've tried to be the Holy Spirit to her at times. And i got to tell you, I failed at all of these. Because there's only one position for that man, and that's Jesus alone. You understand what I'm saying? When you walk into your marriage, and, and God's doing a work in your spouse, or even a friend if you're not married, and you're stepping on their toes because God's doing a work there, yet you're trying to push and pry to make things happen, but God is not ready. Some people have to be prepared to receive what God's uh, got for them. And uh, it's not their time yet. Yet you're pushing and you're priding. And you're trying to make things happen. And it's not the time. You're trying to be the spirit of God to them. Uh, and when, you're, uh, when your husband, not necessarily uh, are you daddy. When, uh, when your husband, not necessarily are the son. All these are... Almost like a spiritual incest. It's just wrong. Something's wrong with it. Yeah, I gotta uh, eat you the meat and spit out the bones with that one because um, all the characters that a father gives, a husband can give some of them, but not all of them. Right. Okay. Um, verse nine. Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the chair by the doorpost. Of the, Lord, uh, of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look up, look upon your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, 
then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not even heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and, she, uh, and he said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. <laughs> I think something's beautiful here. <clears throat> Hannah shows up to the altar, and she's got a great need. She's got a great, um, I mean, a real concern. This wasn't something she wanted. Was actually something deep down in the spirit that she needed because in her culture, uh, to be able to produce was godly to them. To be able to produce was the saying that I was worth something. And so, to me, Hannah has uh, what we've heard as a, a mox. We've heard this word. Uh, she has some spiritual fervor. She has some attitude. When she comes, I tell you why, because when she comes to the altar, she has nothing to give. She has no sacrifice. Nothing to lay down, yet she comes boldly before the Lord and lays herself at the throne. <laughs> Who does that? People like us. People who have nothing left. People who have nothing left to give. People who have given everything. Who have spent all. Spend their wills, we call it whatever we want. And we have nothing left to give. And then we fall at the feet of the Lord. This is Hannah. And this is a right condition of the heart. This is the right spirit. And what does she do? She walks away blessed. And we'll see that. So the story of Hannah to me is a story of a sacrificial prayer. We've heard of sacrificial praise, sacrificial lives. But to me, this is a story of sacrificial prayer. God hears the cry of a barren woman, of a barren person, with nothing to give. Someone is empty-handed. <laughs> she comes before the Lord empty, yet she leaves impregnated. She lives impregnated with a promise. She came with nothing. But what she left with was divine. She left with a deposit from the heavens. So to me, the story of Hannah is where sacrifice and prayer come together. Look at 19. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord and went back to their home at Ramah. Elkaniah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. They put their faith to action. They came before the Lord with a great need, laid their life before him. Did you see that? Did you see in the, uh, in the passage before in 18? Hannah said, uh, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Yet, she, didn't, she was not carrying a baby when she left there, was she? No. She believed God deposited something in her. She left with a promise. And she put her faith into action by going home with an attitude of praise, laying with her husband, and those two came together and conceived the promise. What did it conceive? Elkaniah lay with his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. She named him Samuel, heard, heard of God, heard from God. And so uh, in, the, in the meeting we had not too long ago, we spoke of what, uh, what was going on here. Hannah, had a, uh, Hannah started off with a pain, a, pa a pain that produced a passion. 
and a passion that produced a prayer. And when it gets to the heavens, it becomes a petition because it's a legal document. It's gone before the great judge. And the petition turned into a prophecy or a prophet, which we call Samuel. And so Hannah showed up with a, with a prayer with no sacrifice. But here what, here's what was beautiful. The sacrifice was conceived in her. She went to the altar with no sacrifice, but what God gave her, what he conceived in her was the sacrifice that she would later give. She had nothing. God gave it to her, and then later will ask her to give it up. Twenty-one. When the man Elkaniah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what, you seem, do what seems best to you, Elkaniah, her husband, told her. Stay here until you uh, have weaned him. Only may the Lord make... Only may the Lord... Make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until he was weaned. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her. Young, um, young as he was, along with three, a three-year-old bull, a ephod, a flower, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord. Where? There. Wow. So she comes before uh, the high priest and she tells him, Surely I was the one that was praying here with nothing. She was boasting in the Lord. She came back before him and said, I, and said, See, I came with nothing. But now I return with exactly what I asked for. Exactly what I asked for. The, I, you, the, the Lord answered my cry. He, he conceived the promise in me. He brought it to conception. He brought it into reality. And now I lay it back at his feet. Is this a hard thing to hear that God may actually answer your prayer? He might actually bring to fruition the things that you're asking for in life. He might build something in your life only to see if you're going to give it up. Only to see if you're going to give it away. I've been through that, I promise. He's built up life, life in me, established me in places and in people's lives, and then said, okay, now it's time to give it away. And he's done that time and time again, and I'm pretty sure he's not going to quit. This is the cup he's given me. He'll do that. It keeps you faithful. It keeps you close to him. This is what you want. Not only that, I love it. It took three years. Three years old, she brought the child back. It took three years. But what God gave her was an offer. Something to offer up. And what'd she do? She sacrificed her own son. But look what happened next. Look in um, 221. Then they would go home. Chapter, chapter, no, no, chapter 221. Then they would go home. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. I got to tell you, that's a win-win situation. God gave her what she promised. She sacrificed it. And what he, what he gave her was five times over. Is that right? He gave her back. He's so gracious. I mean, he gave her more than she could think of. 
She wanted one son. Unless she got five children. She got six children. One given totally to the Lord. That's about as prosperity as I get. <laughs> All right, look at this. We went to uh, chapter 128, and Samuel worshiped the Lord there. Where was there? So Samuel was placed in the house of the Lord, in the temple, to serve, uh, serve all his life. He was given over totally to the Lord. And what's, what's funny to me is where he was placed isn't too much different than what, what we get placed in sometimes. So he's placed in the house of the Lord with Eli, who is leaning on his sons, which ends up with two wicked sons. Yet one anointed, adopted man of God changed everything. Changed everything in the house of the Lord. He wasn't, even, he wasn't even a blood son. He was adopted into the house of the Lord, anointed for the task, chosen by God, conceived before the creations of the earth, put into the womb, and brought forth and placed right directly into the nation when it was a time where the word was rare, visions were lacking, there was no king, and what does God give him? A judge and a prophet. An adopted son into the house of the Lord. God took the pain and turned it into a promise. He took Hannah's pain, Hannah's pain and turned it into a promise. And he placed that product, the thing that came out of that, into the house of God. Turn with me to um, chapter 3. So Samuel grows up in the, in the house of the Lord in the presence of the Most High at three years old. And somewhere around 12, God comes calling. And in chapter 3, the, uh, it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. I don't know. That, that, sounds, a, that <laughs> sounds a little like our day, unfortunately. We've got the house of the Lord running rampant. Yet we have no vision. We have no vision. What God's given us here is vision. And that's why he's calling people from all around, uh, all around the world to join in a work of his hands. It's a vision. God anointed. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. He called me. And so the Lord calls Samuel, a 12-year-old boy, in the night. And what does Samuel do? He runs, to, he runs to all he knows, which is the man, which isn't too much different than us because when the Lord comes calling for us most of the time, what do we do? We run to men. Well, what did the Lord say for me? Well, you interpret for me. You tell me what he said. You know the word better than me. I hate to tell you, friend, but you are a child of God, anointed just like the rest, and you have a direct line to the Most High. Amen. Somebody turn to Genesis 22.1. Read that for me. Sometime later, God said to Abraham, he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Amen. Somebody read Genesis 46 1. So Israel set out with poles 
that was was his, and when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his uh, father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. Somebody read Exodus 3-4. It's something about when God calls you by name. I mean, it's good to know that God knows your name. Is that right? Amen. That he knows you by name. Is it some small task that the God of heaven would speak, period, in your life? That he would take the time to stand up off his throne and to take time in your life to come and intercede in your life. Not only that, these men knew the right answer. They knew the right answer. Here I am, they said. Here I am. That's the only right answer. Look at Isaiah 6 8. I got it. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of these people callous. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Man. Here I am. Here I am. This is the this is the word that the Lord's put on my heart tonight. I'll do my best to to uh, convey it to you. But the right attitude of heart, the right position, is to say, "Here I am." And so many of us are saying, "I'm over here. I'm over there, but I'm not here." <clears throat> I'm not here. It's here where the Lord wants you, in a right position, in a narrow way, to receive from Him. We're running in disobedience, and all He's wanting you to do is just simply listen. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lay down. So he went and laid down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lay down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. What? Hmm. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. You mean, he's 12 years old. Somebody do 12 minus 3 for me. Nine years in the presence of the Lord, in the house of the Lord, intense discipleship with Eli, yet he did not know the Lord? You mean he ministered before the Lord? You mean he took care of uh, all the Lord's affairs? He may have prayed, prophesied, worked on every uh, aspect of the temple, prayed, interceded, but yet he didn't know the Lord? I mean, this one really throws you for a loop. But John 17, uh, 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know the Lord. There's a difference. And so the, the change came when, when Samuel not only heard from the Lord, but let's look what else happened. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me? Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lay down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times. Samuel. Samuel. So what happens here is something different. Samuel goes from hearing the voice of the Lord 
to listen into the Lord. Hearing His voice and listening is two different things. And we need to major on that tonight. So what was happening here? We have listening, and so Samuel went, and so Samuel laid down. And I circled those three. One, he listened. Two, he went, he obeyed. And three, he made himself available. He listened, he obeyed, and he made himself available. How many times do we, we get a calling, we get a calling on us, and like I was saying, we run to man instead of running to God for it, right? Help me out on this calling, and we don't intensely listen to the word of the Lord. We hear the word, we don't discern it correctly, and so we never get to the part where we listen. Samuel runs around chasing this voice from one place to the other, one place to the other, but he never get, but he never gets planted. It's not until he gets planted and makes himself available for God to move in his life. It makes himself available for God to do something right where he was at. He went back right where he was at. He didn't have to go and sit by Eli. He didn't have to go in Eli's bed. He didn't have to go to the altar. He went right where God found him. And right where God found him, he changed him. Right where God found him, he changed him. Why? Because he stopped hearing and he started listening. He started listening. He applied it and he put it to work. The divine became reality in his life. Eli tells him, go back. That's wisdom. Eli's getting old. He's got some judgment coming because of the things that he's done in his life. And he's getting old and he understands, go back right where you were, get planted. Stay there and let God work in your life. And watch if he doesn't do something miraculous through you. And he does. Samuel becomes a prophet in the nation. And he leads them in many glorious years of Israel. Listen, obey, and make yourself available. The question is not, can you hear from God? I remember a lady... Uh, I remember a dear sister, actually, uh, when we lived back in Louisiana, and she'd come up to me, she's always fishing for a word somewhere, word from God here, word from God there. And, um, and she'd come up to me and she says, um, can you hear from God? Can you, can you hear from God? And I thought, well, what a weird question. And, um, and then I understood what she was talking about. She was actually asking me if it was something special. And to me, it's always been, uh, when Jesus called me, called me on my front porch. No man came, and he didn't put the word through the man to come to me. Jesus just spoke to me, so um, so I always knew it was direct line. And anybody ever came in between that, uh, to me, was a false prophet or, or just man. And so she came to me and asked me, well, can you hear from God? And I'm thinking, sure. You know? But I didn't tell her that. I, I knew what she was getting at. So I was, uh, she was asking me, can I hear from God for you? So I told no, um, which I, I could if I prayed, because you can too. But the point was, hearing from God, we always, we always major on hearing from God. Hearing from God. Can you hear from God? Yes. Every one of you blood-bought believers can hear from God. You can hear from God. You want, to, you want to learn how to discern the voice that you're hearing? Read his word. Amen. Some things are written and some things are spoken. But read his word. You might not be able to hear him clearly, but he can speak and he will speak and he is speaking in your life. The problem is you can't clarify or discern the voice because you're not in his word and getting to know his personality. Can you hear from God? Yes. Absolutely. You are a glorified child of God. We were talking in the meeting the other night about glory. And Jesus said, the glory that the Father gives to me, I give to you. What? Well, I said, well, don't touch the glory. Amen, don't touch the glory. You carry the glory. You carry the glory. Just like when it was in the ark, you carry the glory. It's the same thing. But I got to tell you, if we don't carry the glory, we are not the hope of the nations, and the nations are hopeless. We carry the glory and we reflect it. 
and when we learn to hear from his voice and we walk out in the streets and somebody needs to be prayed for or somebody needs to be taken care of, then the glory of God radiates from within you and you're able to lay your hands on somebody or you're able to hear the word of God and speak it in their life and change it. And that's what the nations are looking for, change. We don't have to go to Africa, India, or any other place. They are dead people walking outside these walls. And they are depending on you. And if you cannot hear from God, you cannot discern the voice that he's already speaking to you, then you will not glorify him correctly. In the meeting we were talking about the other night, how do we go from glory to glory to glory? And it's as simple as when you raise out this hand and that hand and you touch the man next to you. And you connect. And the glory grows from one person to the next. And it's magnified. And his name becomes holy. And his name becomes famous among the earth through you. Through his vessels that hear his word. Here I am, Lord, speak. Here I am, I'm listening to you. I went back to where I was. I stopped running here and there and after every other man to hear from God. And I went directly to you and said, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. No, that ain't right. You're already speaking to me. Help me hear you. And help me listen to you. Help me go from just hearing you and help me to actually apply and listen to what you say. So the question is not can you hear from God. It is can you listen to God. Can you? That's where it's always at. Can you listen to him? It's your disobedience that's blocking your eardrums. It's your disobedience that's messing up your frequency. Get right. Get right where you were. In purity. In humbleness. In brokenness. In earnestness of heart. And get some amats and come before the Lord and ask him. Come before the Lord. I have nothing to give you. I have nothing to give you, but Lord God, from the heavens deposit in me a sacrifice. Give me something that I can offer you. Give me something that I can lay at your feet. Show me. Teach me how to build something in this world. Open up the earth to me. Let me reap a harvest for you so that I can only come and lay it at your feet. It takes you from, from knowing God to knowing God. Does that make any sense? From knowing Him to really knowing Him. Look at John 5, 19. Come on, somebody in here is saying, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I have a great need in my life. I have a great concern. I have a I feel like something's deposited in me from the heaven, and I just can't bring it to conception. I can't bring it to reality, from conception to reality. If it doesn't go from conception to reality, then we know that that's a spiritual abortion. So the enemy has creeped in and cut off what God has meant to be glorified in your life. John 5, 19. John 5, 19. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so, the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him 
who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and now has come when the dead will hear his voice, will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. I tell you the truth that now that there's a time coming and now it's like it's like he passed he passed from uh, we'll go alpha time to end time to omega time he went from from uh, outside the realm of time into time and now right back outside of the time and he was saying it's like perfect aligning there's a time coming it's coming it's coming and now is and it's standing right here in the Son of Man. And when they hear his voice, when they hear the voice that comes from the source that now is, they will live. They will live. It's like, it's like, he, it's like he lined up, just like Samuel, right where he was, and said, here I am. Or here I am. Or I am is here. I am is right here. The source of God, the source of life. The source of everything you need, everything you need for healing, everything you need for loved ones or a circumstance to change in your life is right here. The kingdom of God is within you and now is all around you. Look at Revelation 3.19. Revelations 3.19 Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline So be earnest and repent Here I am I stand at the door and knock If anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and eat with him And he, will, and he with me To him who overcomes I will give the right to sit with me On, the, on my throne Just as I overcome and sat down By my father With my father on his throne he who has an ear, let him hear what he is saying to this church. Amen. Let him hear what he's saying to the church. Jeez. That includes us. That includes us. Let him hear what he's saying to the church. He's saying, make sure that you have that right condition of heart, that right spirit that says, here I am, Lord, when I come knocking. I go from hearing to listening. When you speak, when you get up off your throne and speak into my life, and actually plant words from heaven down into this old flesh that I'm not going to take it lightly and just hear it. But I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to put them into practice by trusting you. And I'm going to say, here I am. Send me. Send me. Where do I go, Lord? What do I do? What person is it today that you are going to change because, uh, because of me? Because of me. Because I'm a child of God. Because I'm a son. I'm a son planted in the house of God. I'm a son planted on this earth. That's going to change us. You set me here to tend this garden. And I'm a son. I'm that anointed one. I'm that one adopted man in the house of God that's going to take some of my and say, I don't got nothing to give, but what you put in me is worth laying at your feet. Amen. And today... Today, I'm going to give everything to listen to your word. Look at Hebrews 3.7. There. Hebrews 3 7. So, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, 
where your fathers tested and tried me, and for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with their generation, and I said, their hearts will always be going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declare on earth in my anger that they shall not enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a simple, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Turning away from the living God is not hearing from, is not listening to him. So today, if you hear his voice, listen to it and apply it by obedience. And you go from here, you go from here to listening and you become that one that says, Lord, I'm not running around like Samuel. You're not playing games with me. God, you were, you were in the, you were in the place that you were when you first called me. You didn't move around. God wasn't running around. He wasn't playing jokes with you. You were running around. You were going here and there. You were scatterbrained in your spirit. In your spirit, you were double-minded. But he was always there calling you by name. And the right answer is, here I am. Here I am. And when you say, here I am, and you listen, we go from that here I am to I am is I am is right here. My direct connection to him. Now some, some in here, I know. I know I walked in this place tonight and had to shake off a lot of distractions. I had to sift through a lot of voices to hear his voice today. That's normal. But it doesn't have to be. We can press in and we can sift out those voices and his voice becomes loud. His voice can be the only one. It says, my sheep be my voice. The only one. I get to that place. Um, I get to that place sometime. I get to that place uh, sometime where I feel like I'm running around. I'm running all over around the will of God all around where I should be, when I should just stay still. Sometimes just stay still and trust God. Instead, I'm running here, running there, and I'm wearing myself slap out striving in the flesh, really. And his will is steady. His will is one simple, narrow way. But we confuse it so much. We make it so complicated. Yet his will is, is straight, is that aisle, and it's narrow. If we all tried to fit through there, it'd be mighty hard. But he wants that attitude, that amongst that says, I'm gonna get there first. I'm gonna get there first, why? Because when I come there, and when I lay myself before you, you're gonna answer me, and you hear my cry. Yeah. And you hear my cry, and you will answer, and you dispatch the angels on my behalf, because I say, here I am. That's my attitude, and that's my heart. I was barren and I was broken for you. I was barren and I was broken. I had much necessity, yet you came through for me. And because you did, I'm going to give you the best and the first of everything I have. And what does the Lord do? He's merciful and he returns to you even when you did not deserve it. When I walked in here, uh, tonight I had to, told you I had to sift through um, a lot of voices. Um, and so I'm praying, Lord God, focus me, you know, on you tonight. Get me in that here I am place because I want to hear from the great I am. I want to hear directly from you. <laughs> Lord, I've got to stand up and let words come out of my mouth. Father, and I know the flesh can be strong and pulling on me. And the things can come out of me that are me and not of you. And then I have to stand and account for that. Let me uh, minister your word correctly. And then uh, when I come in, what's so great about meeting with the uh, other believers each week is you see if it's just you or not. And funny thing is, when you come in, you see, today it wasn't just me. That's because I could see it on everybody. We could feel it in worship. We had to break through and press through 
And it, all everybody ever wanted to do tonight was worship. We didn't get a whole lot of praise. And uh, we have more worship than praise. And that's because we got some heaviness on us. We got some, uh, some here I am's. We got some people that are saying, uh, I want to learn how to say here I am. I want to slow down and stop and say here I am, Lord. Or I've been saying here I am for years, for days, for weeks, for months. I've been saying here I am and yeah, and answer my call. And the Lord says, stand still. Here I am. If you got, if you got one of those, uh, if that word's speaking to you, if something's tugging at your heart, if something's pulling on you, then that's you. That's you. And the Lord says, here I am. Line up in his will. Show some amats and step out and say, Lord, feel me. Lord, conceive in me the promise that I know you have for me. Impregnate me tonight with your will. Because all I have in me right now is an empty womb. I'm a barren, broken person. When the Father says, you are to be one thing, and that's fruitful. Matter of fact, he said, be fruit, uh, bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit. So we're going to worship him tonight. And I encourage you that if you feel barren, if any place in you, uh, if you haven't conceived what you feel like you're impregnated with, then the God wants to give you that tonight. If you've got this much of his spirit and you feel like you need an overflowing of it, that's what, he's, that's what he does. That's what he does. He's the life giver. And if you've been walking as though a dead man or a dead woman, he's the life giver. He's the one that will bring your old dead bones to life. Mighty God, we pray, Lord God. Mighty God, that we line up like the palm bomb, right under the heavens, Lord God. Mighty God, we line up under your will this night, Jesus. And we say, Father, send forth your spirit and your counselor this day, Lord God. We say, here we are, mighty God. Send us. Send us to our neighbors, Lord God. Send us to our spouses, Lord God. May we not have uh, division among us anymore, Lord God. Mighty God, we pray, Lord God, that you conceive and birth that, that thing that you have put from the heavens in us, Lord God. There is a seed tonight in somebody. There is a seed tonight in somebody that the Lord wants to bring alive. He wants to bring alive. You've been sitting on it for years. You've been sitting on it. <laughs> You've been pregnant for too long. The Lord says, this day, this day is your birthday. 